To the great halls of celestial Asgard, a royal voice is raised in protest. Hey there, and welcome to Marvel by the Month. My name's Brian Stratton. And mine is Rob Milne. Hey, uh, Rob, these are weird times in Portland right now. <laughs> it just keeps getting weirder, and not in the Unipiper way. It just gets weirder in the not fun way. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the Gestapo way was not, I didn't see it coming. We're on the darkest timeline. I still didn't see it coming. I think I literally jinxed us a few weeks ago where we were talking and I was like, well, what I like to do is tempt fate by saying, well, surely things can't get worse now. <laughs> um, and here we are. I'll do it this time. But now, how much worse could it get? <laughs> oh, God. Well, uh, let's let's depart from this line of thinking really quickly um, and talk about how much better things could get um, and specifically how much better this show could get. Awesome. Um, We've got an awesome guest tonight, um, and uh, I'm just going to give a little bit of uh, introduction. First and most important, um, she is one of the funniest comedians working today. Um, her most recent comedy album is called I Am Not the Hero of the Story. It was the number one comedy album on iTunes and Amazon. It's also super funny. Um, she hosts twice as many podcasts as we do. Um, there's the Jackie and Lori show, uh, which she hosts with her fellow comedian Lori Kilmartin, where they complain about and celebrate comedy. Um, and then uh, she has been hosting the Dork Forest, uh, where she's been talking with guests for 13 years about what they love to do, think about and collect. Jackie Cation, thank you so much for joining us for Marvel by the Month. Thank you for having me. Yay. We're doing it. We're it's doing happening. it. So uh, you you host two podcasts. Um, I do. How have you uh, managed the challenges of adapting to life during COVID uh, and this whole like remote podcast recording thing? Well, it is weird because I've never enjoyed remote podcasting. Like I've never wanted to do sort of Zoom or Skype or any of these things because the timing is it's much like stand up comedy. It it It's better. I mean, Zoom is better or Skype is better than just sort of audio like Zencaster. Mm -hmm. um, but just because you can get some physical cues because yeah. you're looking at people in the face. But in the same room, there's a better, there's more chemistry, right? Yeah. It's a yeah. lot easier. But, um, you know, since March, I've been doing them <laughs> via Zoom. And they're actually, you know, we're, we're figuring it out as we go. Everybody's recording locally. We're, we're dropboxing each other files. We're syncing things. We're clapping at the same time. Uh, and the cool thing about Zoom is that I'm also releasing for the Dork Forest and Jackie and Lori uh, the video. So uh, I put on lipstick for you people. Oh, did, not, did not comb my hair. Just scraped it back. I got the COVID haircut, you guys. My husband took a paper scissors and just went across the back. And uh, I was like, thank you. It's very warm. Yeah. So I feel better. Oh man, yeah. Uh, I have not set foot in a barber shop since I think January. Um, Rob obviously hasn't. In I went several to years. a barber shop in like October, but I've been just sort of farming this for four years or something. So uh, <laughs> right, right. So yeah. it's nice. Yeah, uh, uh, it's almost. This might be the year, though. If we get in the hundreds for a while, I might, you know, cut it all down again and scare everyone at work as I do whenever I show up with no hair. Uh, yeah like who's this guy that i don't want to pull over or and doesn't look like i'm gonna get in a biker fight with that's that's just me guys I, it's hard to think of you as a tough guy biker with those dimples yeah that, just that, like it's hard to be intimidated with anybody i can never dimple. smile if i never smile it's, it's right. tough yeah tough guy 
so you, you uh, Jackie, you talked about um, also trying to do like live comedy during co- how oh, sure. I, I know you're doing like streaming shows and things like that. But what's that whole thing been like? Oh, it's different. I mean, the thing is, is it's um, it's like it's it's the difference between doing a theater and doing a, a comedy club and doing a one nighter and doing a coffee shop and doing a hat store and doing a laundromat. <laughs> I mean, just add zoom shows to that list of, yeah. of, of essentially a parade of different places where I'm willing to talk uh, <laughs> at people and hopefully they will <laughs> yuck it up. <laughs> I feel like it's been uh, like the first month or so. I, I feel like we were all kind of in denial about it. Like, you know, like we had recorded a couple episodes where we're just like, okay, well, you know, we both record locally. We'll just do like a zoom call or something. Um, but you know, we won't worry about guests or things like that. You know, this will all blow over soon. I <laughs> someone mentioned it would be over by Easter. Um, you know, uh, and then that didn't wind up happening somehow. Right. Yeah. Right. There's um, there's a great deal of uh, head in the sand denial going on all around us. It's, it's it's an exciting time to live in an actual vat of kerosene while we smoke cigarettes. Uh, everybody just try to help the person in front of you. There you go. Yep. Just keep flying along. It'll be fine. Stay steady. Stay steady, troops. Yeah. And look yeah. for those silver linings wherever you can find them. Um, That's it. So, for example, one of the silver linings for us is that uh, this whole thing has kept you in one place long enough uh, for you to be so desperate to you know do a uh, comic book podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like, yes, please, I will talk to a new person. This is fine. Um, yeah, it's true. And the stand-up shows—it's kind of cool doing stand-up on Zoom because I have fans that are in like all over Europe and Australia and also rural Canada, and they're like, "You're never coming to rural Canada," <laughs> right? And I was like, yeah. "You don't know that." But as of right now, I have not been to rural Canada, uh, so uh, but they can come and see the shows, and it's and it's just and there's a lot of people who are literally homebound who can't get to comedy clubs. And there's, so there's, there's been like a sort of a, a um, an expansion of my, of my audience as well, which is kind of nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's something. I'm glass half full. I'll do it. Yeah. Um, so we asked you to read uh, four issues that Marvel put out on the newsstands uh, in April of 1966. So without getting into the details, uh, we'll, we got plenty of time for that, but um what were some of your overall impressions of the things we asked you to read? Okay, so you should know that I read Spider-Man, mostly team-ups, in the late 70s and early 80s. Uh-huh. Uh, then I took a hiatus of 700 years. And then in 2003, I started reading comic books again uh, because I started dating my husband, and he is... Uh, we weren't married at the time when we started dating, but whatever... We eventually married, and he is, and I just I just told the joke, but I'll tell it again. I'm not above it. I'm married a long box, you guys, which is a dick joke. And so, but I will say this, is that um, he is a big Marvel guy, and he's more a Marvel guy than a DC guy. And I was gravitating towards the indie stuff, mm-hmm. and but not the sad sack indie stuff, because I have a hard time with slice of life fiction anyway. So I don't need, um, and as beautiful as all of it is, it's beautiful. Crumb, you're doing amazing work. Anyway, um, I'm just saying, I don't need to read Persepolis. Uh So I'm good. 
Uh, and but even though it's very beautiful. And so I got into it hardcore around 2003. So what I have to say about uh, April of 1966 is <laughs> the balloons are busy. There's oh, a yeah. lot of things happening with the bit in it. And a lot of <laughs> lot of thought bubbles, a lot of a pie. It's a lot of words. But the artist, you know, the artist that it, it it has that vibe, right? It has that old vibe too, but you get to also see that I mean the way it's it's laid out, you get everything. You get all of yeah. it and a lot more story, I think. Yeah. Or yeah. You get a lot more words, but yeah, that, words that's anyway. our yeah. joke is like Stan did not realize a picture was worth a thousand words and put a thousand <laughs> words on it anyway. <laughs> right. So now there's 2000 words because yeah. there's the picture and, and a thousand words. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah. my main, that was my main impression. My other impression was that Black Panther. Oh, <laughs> that was a lot right there. That was, uh, I saw what they were trying to do. And uh, it is the it is well-meaning white people for a million dollars forever. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent tease uh, for what's coming up later. Um, so uh, before we get into talking about the comics, um, we always set ourselves up with a little bit of historical context to sort of get us in the mindset of where the world was when these were coming out. So uh, let's uh, let's take a little uh, journey down memory lane. Uh, talk about what was happening in April of 1966 when these issues hit the newsstands. And Rob, I think we will have you lead off with the first one. Oh boy. Okay. So on the second of April 1966, ten thousand protesters, including two thousand South Vietnamese soldiers and sailors in uniform marched through the streets of Da Nang in South Vietnam and denounced both the United States and the South Vietnamese government of Prime Minister Nguyen Cao Khe. Da Nang Mayor uh, Nguyen Van Man, who had allowed protesters free use of city offices, motor vehicles, and printing facilities, was accused of treason by Kai, who said that he planned to have Man executed by a firing squad. Interesting. Uh, a federal threat against citizens expressing free speech who are supported by their local government. Thank God that could never happen here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to Portland. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's been wild. Um, on the uh, the third of April, the Soviet lunar probe Luna Ten became the first man-made object to orbit the moon. The probe would make a complete trip around the moon every three hours and would transmit signals back to Earth until May thirtieth. Man, it crashed. So. Yeah, but well, yeah, it landed so, hard. But it landed. Yes. <laughs> uh, on the sixth of April, nineteen sixty-six, the Beatles recorded "Tomorrow Never Knows" for their upcoming album "Revolver," which is one of their best albums. Um, this marked the start of the Beatles' studio years, in which they discontinued public concerts in favor of a, of simply releasing new albums and singles for sale. Which, in my argument, made their music way cooler. When they stopped trying to make reproducible music, but uh, I would have wanted. They're a band. What are they? A, a musical. <laughs> they're a, they're a musical group. Yeah, uh, little no, little known from um, Europe. The you'll UK. be happy to know that I've uh, I've only recently realized that I'm a hundred years old. That the Beatles is spelled B E A T. How did you miss that? How did I miss that? Well, sometimes <laughs> subtle things go right over me. Like anyway, that. music is my life. Keep going. <laughs> uh, Jackie, this one's for you uh, okay. since you are a native Wisconsinite, I believe. I am. Yeah. Um, sure. So 
On the uh, 8th of April, uh, two boys aged 13 and 12 who ran away from their homes in Fayetteville, North Carolina, sneaked onto a railroad boxcar and then found themselves locked inside for the next 13 days. The sealed car was carrying a cargo of nearly empty beer bottles to the Schlitz Brewing Company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And for nearly two weeks, they survived by drinking small amounts of stale beer until April 21st, when they arrived in Milwaukee and workmen at the brewing company heard their cries for help. Gross. (laughs) Just all wash. Just drinking just gross. Well... That is something. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> I can smell that car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I was I was literally raised until I was about six or seven in that box car. So <laughs> it's a it's a troubled youth. Did you have the the kind of parents who like if they caught you smoking they'd be like you're gonna smoke that pack of cigarettes and you know no no I was raised by wolves. Uh, so my mother was, she used to take me, she went to the bar when I was very little and I used to, I was the youngest of six. So I would go with her. And so I would get to sip from her beer when Uh I was like four and five years old. And then my oldest brother who had been 14, he was in charge of, uh, emptying out the beers at at this one local bar because every, every small town in Wisconsin has a, uh, you know, essentially the South Milwaukee has 20,000 people in it. So that's a small town I'm from. It's uh, east of the city. Uh, we're not bright. Anyway, so, but all of the, the corners, there's three bars and a liquor store, and there's, you know, a dozen corners. Wow. <laughs> and so my brother Terry had this job where his job was to pour out the dregs of the beer and then uh, recycle the bottles mm-hmm. for refilling. And he would just drink the dregs himself. And it was just a, uh, and he wasn't trapped anywhere except for in his own mind, in his own horrible fourteen-year-old mind. <laughs> so, Ouch. so he voluntarily lived that story. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, way out here in the West, on the on the tenth of April, the March of Grape Farm Workers from Delano, California, came to a conclusion after two hundred and fifty miles and twenty five days, as the original group of sixty five was joined by thousands of supporters at the state capitol building at Sacramento, where union leader Cesar Chavez announced the successful negotiation of a favorable contract between the National Farm Workers Association and Shenley Industries. So go grapes, go grapes. Uh, Hey, here's some delightful news from Vietnam. Um, (laughs) The 15th of April, uh, an American military spokesman reported that there had already been 1,361 U.S. servicemen killed in the Vietnam War as of April 9th, already more than had died during the entire year of 1965. The combat death rate was now averaging 100 people a week. That doesn't sound as shocking now in the world we live in, but it sounds terrible still. Uh, yes, yes. Because I, I think like a thousand people died yesterday from uh, these, this virus. So, uh, you know, it's getting crazy yeah. to be, I'm, uh, you know, I'm shell-shocked, I guess. Uh, right. Here's the good news. These are not the end times. If anybody's betting on the rapture, stop betting on the rapture. They're just <laughs> shitty times, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Where it's some, we'll, it'll be, some people will live. It'll be fine. It'll end. Just keep plugging along. Okay, there it's not go. the rapture. Okay, it is not the rapture. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not planning on being one of the people who gets to live with the parrots and lions and all that stuff either. So uh... my least favorite of, of <laughs> or my favorite of all of the crazy people that are currently in the United States of America, because every rock in this country has turned 
it over yeah. and worm people roam free and you got to spend all day long playing whack-a-mole mm -hmm. uh, are the rapture people because the rapture people are like, it's the rapture. And here's their twist. Here's the weird twist. They've decided that they're going to be bigger jackasses to speed up the end times to get to the rapture. Not right. realizing, of course, a couple of problems, not the rapture. Also, I don't know if you know anything about the rapture, not taking jackasses. That's not how it works. <laughs> and of course, third thing, rapture not real. Okay, right. go. Yeah, yeah, that's the most important piece. Uh, well, I don't know. They're all very important, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have a, a bit of a soft spot for the Bible and, and the Jesus. So uh, I, uh, I don't have... Uh, uh, but the rapture isn't one of them. That's not one of the things you get a soft spot for. I'm willing to go, Revelation's not happening. Anyway, yeah. it's a little narcissistic. Go. Yep, yep. I'm a, I'm, I've done my reading of the Bible and was raised with a bit of it and obsessed because of heavy metal over the book of Revelation. So uh, I'm pretty fond of the apocalypse in theory as escapism. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, not not trying to rush that forward in any way. Did you know that Black Sabbath is selling an awesome Black Sabbath font of Black Lives Matter? Yes, I saw that shirt. Oh, that's yes. red. I don't I have ordered it several, the, it, and, and I don't know anything about Black Sabbath. That isn't a guy's name. That's all I know. <laughs> I love your music knowledge. We should just do this riff. Oh, dude, they're, they're, they're people's favorite dork forests when I say things like, Stevie Nicks was in Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> oh, anyway uh, um okay let's get through this we're gonna get through the history um so uh where were we the 18th of april the cultural revolution was officially proclaimed in the people's republic of china wow the, the, busy months yeah, yeah i know right it, this time like the early marvel times is just crossing all the history that we uh remember very well now um this is uh, the official People's Liberation Army daily news newspaper published a front page editorial with the title Hold High the Great Red Banner of Mao Zedong's Thought and Actively Participate in the Great Socialist Cultural Revolution. It was a very long headline, but they are there. <laughs> Chairman Mao yeah. is on his way. Uh, and then one day later, uh, Roberta Gibb of, the, of San Diego became the first woman to run in the Boston Marathon. Uh, she ran unofficially because the race was officially limited to men at the time, but uh, she had applied in 65 to run for that year's marathon. Um, she was rejected with a letter explaining that, quote, it was not physiologically possible for a woman to run the distance uh, of more than 26 miles. Uh, so uh, when the 66 race uh, rolled around, she just dressed in a hooded sweatshirt and sweatpants, jumped in with the other runners, and started running um, as soon as it kicked off. Unofficially, she finished 124th. Uh, she ran it in three hours, 21 minutes, and 25 seconds. So uh, Yes, which is 20 hours faster than I could do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So good for her. I don't think I have run 26 miles in my life cumulatively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I read some article about her and how they were like, no, yeah. you boys invented running. You, don't, <laughs> you can't have the boy thing. We invented all the fun things. You can't play. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you can't do any of the ball things or the running things. Those we are invented boys. leaving the home. We invented all of the cool things, having the, you could have jobs, not that one. We would like that one back. Anyway, you made that fun. Uh, yeah. Good for her. 
last uh, item of history. On the 30th of April, 1966, Anton LaVey of San Francisco founded the Church of Satan, um, declaring April 30th the pagan holiday Walpurgisnacht as the beginning of the first day of the first Anos Satanus. Yeah. Uh, Anton LaVey also was the last living union theremin player in the United States. <laughs> so that's my wow. that's my bizarre bit of knowledge about Anton LaVey. <laughs> well, that makes me like him more. I yeah, didn't like him real. much before. For yeah. real. <laughs> well, so that's what was going on in April 1966. That's a busy month. Um, let's go ahead uh, and take a short break. And when we come back, uh, we'll start talking about some of the comics that were Uh, out on the newsstands in April 66. So don't go away. We'll be right back here on Marvel by the Month. Okay, welcome back here on Marvel by the Month. Uh, We're going to kick things off by talking about uh, the Captain America story that came out uh, this month, Entails the Suspense number 79. Uh, This one was written by Stan Lee, the arts by Jack Kirby, inked by Frank Giacoya. Um... The story is called The Red Skull Lives, and that basically gives away the big... Uh, is, is it a big reveal? I don't know. I feel like they could have teased it out a little more. It's like we, we haven't met the Green Goblin for a year and a half or something, you know? Um, yeah. So it's just like, it's the Red Skull. That's fine. I was surprised that AIM was in it. I yes. didn't... Uh, was Has AIM been introduced prior to this, too? Or So this is the first month that AIM... Uh, is mentioned as AIM. So the, the the guys in the yellow beekeeper suits, um, they've been referred to as them for right. so far, and then they wind up becoming AIM basically with this uh, issue. So okay, the, there was a lot of them talk. It was just this shirt to calling them those guys. We don't have a name yet. <laughs> exactly. Watch out for those guys. Uh, well, they, they came. They never came up with an acronym for them, and. Oh, okay. it, it just it sounds it sounds weird to say like I mean you, you sound like you don't know how to speak English uh, if you keep <laughs> referring a, to it's them. It's a syntax issue. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, the story opens with Cap smashing a team of costumed assassins on the streets of New York. Um, some nice Kirby punching and kicking and jumping um, <laughs> or but then we find out maybe he's not actually doing that because no one else is able to see uh, the people he's supposed to be fighting. So something's going on here and we don't know what it is. Is Captain America losing his mind? It's very possible. Totally, man. That dude was in <laughs> World War II. He's been through a lot. He's got a lot of PTSD. Right. It's the 60s. He's still 22 years old. <laughs> yep. But then uh, we cut to uh, the lair of the Red Skull. Um, and this is kind of a big deal because so far the only times we've seen the Red Skull in the 1960s Marvel comics have been in flashback stories that are taking place in World War II. So this is the first time that the skull is shown as being alive in the 60s um, and we find out how he survived, which is basically almost the exact same way that Cap survived. Um he got gassed with some suspended animation gas. That happens. Um, yeah. As you do. Um, and then so he wound up in suspended animation um, and then he was revived by them so he could continue some evil doing. Um, and uh, real dapper, too. He's He's got this whole like uh, smoking jacket thing. Yeah. It's very much a smoking the jacket. A cravat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he's a dapper. He's a dapper skull. On, on, on a body. <laughs> Wears a lot of green to, you know, complement the red. Um, oh, yeah. Very Christmassy. Yeah. 
Uh, Jackie, have you seen the the President Supervillain Twitter account? No. Wait. This, this is the genius who he takes uh, Red Skull comics panels from the 60s. Yeah. And, and he just replaces the dialogue with literal quotes from Trump. Oh, that's awesome. It's that fabulous. is fantastic. It works beautifully. Yeah. Uh, treat yourself to it. I think he's at Prez Villain on Twitter. Oh, okay. So, at yes. Prez Villain. Yeah. Um, because this one where, where he's looking all sad sack. <laughs> That'd be so perfect for Knobjob, for Captain Knobjob. <laughs> and uh, so he would just be like, I'm sad. <laughs> How well I remember our last encounter during the final days of Berlin, when the sky was thick with Allied bombers. And he looked sad about the Allied bombers, as well he should, because yeah. he was losing. Yeah, that, that thousand year Reich was more like five. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, so Rob, what is the skull up to? He, he's got a scheme, obviously. So what is the scheme this time? Uh, so, uh, so this time the skull's latest invention is the hypno helmet and he's using it against cap. The hypno helmet keeps the crowd from seeing the attackers and makes cap seem, uh, loco. So, uh, that's, I guess the plan f- initially we guess is just to discredit Captain America as a total insane person. Um, mm-hmm. so that's literally what happens in a psychiatrist's office. He's yes. <laughs> I love that whole scene. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it turns right into smashing really fast. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I, I love the, the bit of dialogue where the, the psychiatrist is saying, now, suppose you lie down and speak freely of anything that comes into your mind and cap <laughs> response, but it might take you months to psychoanalyze me. <laughs> I can't spare the time. He's aware so- of the things he's been through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cap, cap you gotta do the work man it's like, <laughs> yeah it's all about willingness cap come on yeah um so so yeah the skull is just um the final phase of his plan is that an assassin will hypnotize a crowd and cap and cap will be blamed for a murder committed by the assassin oh and also there's a little science project going on called the cosmic cube right which is a science project it's not cosmic yeah. It's just, they right. didn't find it, they've made it. Yeah, yeah. apparently. Uh, and mm-hmm. it'll get, um, you know, retconned later. But uh, for now, the AIM has made it. Um, AIM made the Cosmic Cube, yeah. Yeah. which later becomes the Tesseract. Yeah, which and, is a soul gem or whatever. We can go deeper and deeper. Into uh-huh. that thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but they only mention it for like a panel or two because this is a continued story. So this right. is s- sort of like Chekhov's Cosmic Cube. It's like, you know, <laughs> you, you introduce the Cosmic Cube in the first issue of the story because and it has to be used by the third issue. So, <laughs> right. Um, then you forget about it. And then the MacGuffin. And then, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. And just as the Skull's plan is about to come to fruition, Cap decks the assassin and saves the day hooray um, yep. Yay. so everybody finds out he's not insane he knocks a helmet off right that was his big jam yeah yes and then he he uh he peels a little a sticker off of his uh mask uh, to reveal that tony stark had given him some circuitry which is going to block all hypnotic waves in the area so yep. and and tiny circuitry in 1966 again they're ahead of their times it's the size of a compass. Like it, it does look like he's got a Freemason symbol. So I think we should start conspiracy <laughs> theories just running right now. And so Cap, you know, he he stopped this part of the plan, but uh, he says this is merely the first skirmish in what may well be the most desperate battle of my life, the battle against the Red Skull. Right, because so. he doesn't capture the Red Skull. 
Oh, no. 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 And next issue, Secret of the Cosmic Cube. Yep. <laughs> so there you go. So there's a you know little little warm up there. That's what Cap is up to this month. Um, it's it, it's a pretty big issue. We got the Cosmic Cube. We've got the Red Skull coming back, and we got a bunch of like awesome Jack Kirby artwork, which is all good and lovely. I'm still curious yeah. about how um, you know the we we read some of the '50s stuff where you know, Cap was in hell with the Red Skull, um, yeah. and uh, <laughs> so sort of the in between golden and silver age, just the, the weird, um, but, but skull was dead at the, you know, in the golden age. So this was just sort of the, the first version of retconning, like, Oh, he was just gassed. It's fine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but they were in hell. Yeah. There's a, there's this, what was Captain America doing in hell? He should have been in heaven, right? He he was hosting. Um, he was like the (laughs) crypt keeper for a little while. He was sort of hosting, horror suspense stories and then <laughs> it did not work well they were just like <laughs> <laughs> obviously since nobody remembers it we had a, a guest uh joe keating who who had us read these things so he um joe is a uh, he loves the the horror stuff from marvel and loves this weird um offshoot stuff so we we went down that rabbit hole with him yeah fair enough yeah it's wouldn't you, who doesn't want to see a one shot in the cinematic universe of Cap returning the Soul Stone to uh, the Red Skull, who is keeping hold of that cliff that they throw women off of. Right, right. <laughs> I want that one shot. Where's that one shot, Marvel? Yeah, yeah, yeah they, should, they should just start. They've got their own channel. They've got Disney. They can just make whatever they want at just this point. Just make some one shot. I want to yeah. see a one shot of Jane Foster and Pepper Potts uh, during the Ultron Avengers movie where they're just out to dinner talking about some science businessy deal, not talking about Thor or Tony Stark. <laughs> and then they pull out. This is actually my husband's idea. Uh, they pull out and the name of the restaurant they're eating at is called Bechtel's. Uh, <laughs> It'd be kind of awesome, right? Yep. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I, I'm going back through the Marvel movies and watching them with my kid now. Um, he's just sort of reached the age where like he can, you know, focus on a two hour movie. And uh, it took them a while to give the ladies of the Marvel universe, anything interesting to do. We just watched, um, we're going through them as well. Like we, Mm. and and we're trying to watch them sort of chronologically. So we saw Iron Man, Captain Marvel, uh, the Hulk and Iron Man Mm two. And so that's uh, the next one up I think is Thor. The first Thor. Yeah. Uh I just started at Thor and watched Captain America. Um, Oh no, we started with, yeah. First Avenger, Captain Marvel. That's what we did. First Avenger, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2. And so the next one is Thor. So you get Peggy Carter being, you know, sort of cool in that Captain America movie. Like she's she's pretty cool. There could have been more for her there, I thought. But yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then and then there's two seasons of that that we're not we haven't integrated the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Peggy Carter TV. But uh, I want. Yeah. Yeah. I finally due to COVID had the time during work i've still been working but i can have something running so i've caught up all of the netflix available agents of shield which took me a long time to get to and then get through which was worth it yeah well because it starts out because agents of shield of course starts out as just sort of an office spice like sort of dramedy yeah and then and then blessedly mockingbird and um (laughs) 
and 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 they were awesome. And then it became more and more superpower. Yeah, I mean, yeah it gets insane. And then, and then Ghost Rider comes, and you're like, what's happening? And this season, I'm missing that episode right now. So that we can oh, have no. this discussion. Oh, oh thank you for oh. your sacrifice. Oh my exactly. goodness. Yeah. I'm here for people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, well, uh, Jackie, if you, we're going to take a quick break. If you need to uh, duck away and you know catch up on a couple minutes of what you're missing, uh, that's totally <laughs> fine. We won't be offended. Um, but uh, when we come back, um, we're going to talk about uh, the mighty Thor and what he's up to this month here on Marvel by the Month. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Let's find out about Hercules signing a bad contract. <laughs> um, this issue is called The Verdict of Zeus. Uh, it's Thor number 129. It's written by Stan Lee, art by Jack Kirby with Vince Coletta inking. Um, so some backstory. Thor has revealed his secret identity as lame Dr. Blake to nurse Jane Foster Um Odin wasn't happy about that and cut Thor's strength in half in the middle of a fight, uh, which caused him to lose a fight to Hercules. Um, then Hercules headed out to California to be a movie star and signed the world's worst contract with Pluto, who was in disguise. Uh, Hercules is going to be playing Hercules, which is a pretty good role for him. Uh, I think he might sure. be able to pull it off. Do you ever see that movie, The Three Stooges, being Hercules? Yes. Anyway, it's a, it's a delight. 1960s as well, maybe 66. They were old. They were genuinely old. Yeah. yeah. And, and when Hercules first showed up in Marvel Comics like several months ago, like I did a little bit of a deep dive into it's like, OK, so why introduce Hercules now? Well, it's because there were like 16 Hercules movies that came out that year. Um, yeah. They were just like pumping them out. They're all Italian. Um, oh, okay. And they just turned one out after another and like this is basically the same like studio system that wound up doing the spaghetti westerns later on so oh nice um, but yeah hercules very big deal right now um in the pop culture so stan being stan get that into the comic yeah yep. uh, and yet my favorite character the cab driver right <laughs> yes that's, seriously that's it. yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's another one of those like, uh, you know, Jack Kirby will do like these everyman scenes with Thor, which I just love whenever he does it. Um, and yeah, uh, Thor is getting mobbed by a crowd. So like the world's like most super chill cabbie just picks him up and it's just like, uh, yeah, you're just we're all basically the same. <laughs> yeah, you know, he just like refuses to be impressed by Thor, but also like doesn't condescend to him, just talks to him like a regular guy. Yeah, right, but but also knows that he doesn't have a wallet in his breastplate. Right. <laughs> right. He says uh, this is a nice line from him. Right. As they begin the chit chat, he says, you got to excuse them rubbernecks, mister. They don't realize what that you immortals can get sick of crowds just like any ordinary Joe. The way I see it, you ain't much different than a guy like me. He's just a guy. <laughs> Thor's just a guy. We're just a guy. And uh, I'm going to take you up to, on the east side, 75th on the east side. I'll bet up there. That's yep. fine. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's, it's really weird slice of life stuff. Um, and they've done this a couple times before with Thor, which is pretty cool to ground him, you know, from his when he's just totally as guarding everything up uh, to have him just talk to like a little girl in times square or something, you know? So yeah. this is, uh, yeah. this is giving him that a reason to be human, the every man Thor. You find out why he falls in love with Midgard. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So he takes that cab to Jane Foster's apartment and, uh, right. Who, who is, who is the, um, 
Who's Jane Foster's mysterious roommate? Well, that we don't know yet. Yeah. Okay. Who is she? I know that she's somebody, yeah. and I recognize her curly Q hairs from somebody somewhere, but I can't remember who the heck she is. Yeah, I, she she winds up being a part of the whole uh, like the Black Galaxy saga because that's where everything's going. Um, okay. So I, I think she's a Rigelian, but okay. I'm not. Sh- I can't remember the character's name, but yeah, obviously there's something real off about this dame. She's spooky. She's spooky. She's she, not. Yes. She, she is not. Uh, remember Deadpool's wife. Uh, yeah. When uh, when he fights monsters and the Dracula's on the dark side of the moon, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so we're not all Draculas. That's just a guy's name. <laughs> yeah, she's got a very uh, Wednesday Adams thing going on, uh, but with yeah. um, but with weird like Clea hair from Doctor Strange. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Anyway, it is kind of cool. Uh, I liked Ares too. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. We get to go all over Olympus in this one too. This is like the first time we've gotten a really good look at Olympus. Dionysus is getting drunk. The whole pantheon's is happening. Yeah. And they're just partying. Like, I mean, we've seen Asgard before. Everyone seems very serious about their jobs in Asgard. Uh, Olympus does not give off that vibe. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. Dionysus is, uh, is he's eating some fruit. Oh yeah, he's he looks um well I'm a big Tenacious D fan, so he yeah. looks like he looks like KG um uh at at his most let go. They're partying in Olympus. And and everything's going really well until Pluto shows up and then he tells <laughs> Zeus, it's like, Oh, uh yeah Zeus is like, Whoa, what are you doing here? I banish you to the netherworld and Pluto's like I got your kid to sign the world's worst contract. Uh, so he's going to take my place now. And Zeus is super pissed, but a contract is a contract. Wait, which yeah. is a, it's a, it's a, it's a warning to us all. What you're going to do. First thing you do when you read a contract, skim for dollar signs. Second thing you do, skim for any numbers at all. And then, because it's, it's all going to be, it's going to be the hardest thing in the world is to, is to look at contracts because they're hiding things right. from you. They're there to trick you. Uh, <laughs> it's seriously annoying. It's one of the things I like about stand-up because it's just like, well, you show up on a Tuesday and then you do all the shows I tell you to do until Saturday, and then I uh, then I just give you like twelve hundred dollars. Is that all right? Okay, <laughs> or three grand as we get better at it. Yeah, <laughs> so. that sounds like uh, my my music career was like. For the longest time, I learned to write my own contracts when I was like sixteen years old uh, because of so many terrible things and then later you're playing casinos and getting weekends and doing whatever and you're and you're buying land you're buying land <laughs> you're buying land uh contracts they're they're all made by pluto let's just say right. that right. pluto, yeah. pluto is what is he wearing what is this business this this cauliflower on his head what is that <laughs> i've got to take a closer look at this um yeah what is that it, it's it's a helmet with like a bunch of pom-poms um right or, and he takes it off. Yeah. Well, that's got to give you neck strain. I imagine. I understand why he takes it off. It's, it a, mar- it's a marching band helmet. That's exactly it what it is. It's a pop It looks like, yeah, the most egregious marching band hat. <laughs> uh, I've had to wear a few in my day and uh, never did I have <laughs> pom-poms on the side of them. That That's just insult to injury. That is definitely leader of the parade right there, that hat. Yeah. I think also what I what I love about that is like he knew he was coming to Olympus to just like rub Zeus's nose in it. So he's like, I'm going to put on my best hat. <laughs> Everybody get the hat. Yeah. Give me the finest hat in hell. <laughs> I'm going to Olympus. 
So now, now that he's out of hell, Hercules is is forced to be in charge, and he's just the god of bad contracts from now on. Um, but but when he gets there, Zeus shoots him down because Zeus is pretty much the chief judge of the Supreme Olympian court. So the only way Hercules can escape his fate is he finds someone who will battle the netherworld on Hercules' behalf. And who could that be? What's the name of this comic? Um, yes. <laughs> and it's weird that that's, they're like, how do we get this to, okay, fine. Yes. It's literally yeah. just like, we're going to throw two things at the wall and they, they don't really have a lot to do with each other. But once we get there, it'll be fun. Right. And it is. Yeah. Yep. It looks like the next issue is going to be awesome. Yeah. And we yeah. recently had a fight between Hercules and Thor, which was, as far as smashing goes, a pretty epic comic. <laughs> um, <laughs> like they dropped a, you know, building on each other. They crush a giant truck. You know, it's just all the smashing. That's yeah. good times. Yeah. All yeah. the sound effects represented. Yeah. And then this is where we cut back to Jane Foster's apartment. We meet her spooky, spooky roommate, uh, Tana Nile, um, who like Thor just bows down to, like doesn't really even know what he's doing or why he's doing it. But, and Jane's like, he has been mesmerized. Yeah. Yeah. Jane's like, yeah, it's weird. People keep doing that. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I met her on Craigslist. She's just staying. I just needed someone to split utilities with. Yeah. Uh, So, and then uh, this is where Thor, uh, tells Jane, he's like, okay, uh, you know, I, I, I've decided I want to be with you. I can't be Thor and be with you. So I'm going to give up on being Thor. And she's sort of like, Oh, are you sure that's really what you want to do? <laughs> it's uh, I wanted to date Thor. I didn't want to date Don Draper yeah. or whatever. And, uh, I mean, you know, he's a doctor, but still, I mean, it's anything from Thor is a step down. So. Now do we find this? This is interesting to me. Thor mm-hmm. comes into the apartment, does not take off his hat. To my knowledge, in 1966, gentlemen would remove their headwear when they walk into a building. This is weird. He's got to keep his helmet on for some reason. Yeah, I mean, even Pluto did that. Yeah, did yeah, Pluto did take off his he, but that's Olympus. They do things differently in different places. You know, Yggdrasil has a lot of branches. On each branch, we do different things with our hats. Um, Upper East Side, New York in 66, you keep your Thor helmet on. If you got a um, Thor helmet, yeah. If you got like a Viking vibe, you just roll with that. But if you yeah, yeah. if you have a derby or something, you do take it off. Yeah. It's just polite. <laughs> yeah. Do- Lame Dr. Blake would take his hat off. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yep. He takes the Rainbow Bridge. He talks to his dad. He never gets to tell his dad that he wants to quit being a, a god. Nope. Uh, because... Odin's like, okay, whatever your thing is, we're going to talk about my thing first. Um, I have to send you to Limbo, where you're just going to hang out until the wind calls you, uh, because this is the day of the three worlds, of course. Happy day of the three worlds, everybody. <laughs> Happy day. Into the unknown. It's Frozen 2. <laughs> yeah. Just, anyway, I do think, you know who I think is very is more handsome than Thor in this comic book? Who's Baldor. That? Oh, yeah. Look yeah. how Look, look, look at that steely gaze. Yeah. Yep. Look at that kissable uh, cartoon mouth. <laughs> it's got a very <laughs> personal thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Super handsome. Yeah. And he's like the, the best person uh, in Asgard. So right? yeah, he's got a nice personality and he's a hunk. So yeah, yeah win, win. Yeah. So then, um, you know, we cut to Olympus. Um, uh, Hercules is literally shaking down everyone he can find. He's like, will you fight for me? Will you fight for me? <laughs> yeah. Right. And and he, but the weird thing is he doesn't say, if you do it for me and this works out, I will then give you, because if he would have done that with Ares, 
And he's just like, no, no, we're buds. And Eris is like, we are not buds. We're not buds. Get out. <laughs> it's not happening. And he's scared of Pluto. It's so cool. I mean, it's so weird that he's like the god of war, but he's like, mm, not Pluto. I'm not fighting that guy. That guy's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, no one wants any piece of this. Hermes takes off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hermes didn't hear him. <laughs> what? What? Sorry. Bye. I was, uh, I was just out heading out. Bye. I'll catch up yeah. with you later. I'm in a canyon. I'm losing reception. <laughs> so then uh, yeah, Pluto shows up. He's like, time to pay the piper. And he, all these uh, specters from the netherworld start rising up to bring Hercules down with them. Um, and he's forbidden to fight back, so it looks like it's all over for Hercules. Uh, but that's when this huge shock and surprise. Uh, this is when Thor is summoned uh, to fight on Hercules' behalf. Um, and uh, Pluto's totally shocked. He didn't think anyone would actually take him up on that. But yeah, next issue, Into the Netherworld with Thor and Hercules. That sounds cool. It's a pretty good setup. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that one a lot, actually. Yeah. It's good stuff. So that's what uh, what Thor's been up to this month. Let's take a, a, another break, um, and then when we come back, um, we're going to check in with the final Steve Ditko Doctor Strange story mm. here on Marvel by the Month. All right, welcome back to Marvel by the Month. This is our last month that Steve Ditko uh, is going to be doing any Marvel comics for quite some time. Um, so... On our last episode, um, we talked about his uh, very underwhelming uh, second-to-last Amazing Spider-Man issue, and uh, the one that came out this month uh, makes that one look like a masterpiece. So um, (laughs) we're going to sort of celebrate uh, Ditko moving along um, uh, by talking about his very last Doctor Strange story. Um, So this one's called uh, The End at Last, um, and it's in Strange Tales number 146, written by Denny O'Neill. The art is by Steve Ditko. So uh, for the last what seems like uh, 11,000 issues, uh, Doctor Strange has been fighting and fleeing from the dread Dormammu and his disciple Baron Mordo. But this, like the story title promises, this is the end at last of of that whole thing. Um, So... uh, Rob, do you want to try to uh, explain the cosmic tomfoolery that's going on here? Sure. It'll just sound like I did acid, but whatever. Um, So (laughs) Dormammu is still smarting from being beaten by Strange. So he can't attack him on Earth. So he has to lure Strange to another dimension. The only one who can stop him is Eternity, um, which is this giant personification of the sort of cosmos um, in a cool collared caped silhouette um so he casts a spell that will blind eternity to what he's doing he basically just (laughs) makes eternity look the other way (laughs) while he pulls a fast (laughs) one there's a lot of that going on this month with like you know helmets that are you know hypnotizing people and like spells but like don't look over here Eternity. (laughs) yeah it's and dormammu sends a plea for help through strange's amulet in the voice of the silver-haired sorceress he's sweet on so he's met He's met this silver-haired sorceress like I don't know a dozen times at this point. Oh um, yeah, yeah. She she showed up like twenty issues ago. When she's never been named. Yeah, uh, so that far. That is so weird. You were that was one of the you were like did we find out her name? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like 
Wait, she, he never knew her name. No, I, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I, I literally can't think of any other characters. I mean, certainly no male characters, like no matter how minor who went 20 issues without us finding out what their issues. name was. Yeah. I mean, even the nameless ones were at least named the nameless ones. So, uh, there was a thing you could call her. Yeah. Right. yeah. We're just going to call her. And then that is a, a great name. Cleo. No. It's yeah. fine. It seems like it was going to be crazy wizardy name. Right, like they had to find something. It's like them being AIM. Yeah. That makes sense. And they even named them them. Right. I think Adam Warlock was called him for a while, but uh, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so Strange starts fighting Dormammu and is quickly outmatched. Um, Dormammu brags about locking away Eternity. So Strange is like, I'll free eternity. Then, he, you know, I can tell on him. Um, yeah. And so that's his goal. Uh, so he frees him, which is, again, an acid trip like that. That's the thing we talk about with Dr. Strange uh, Ditko issues is it's it's very hard to sum these things up uh, without looking at them. They are right. they defy description uh, sometimes. Right. I, I, I was telling Andy, my husband about it and I was like. So infinity or eternity shows up and he's like, eternity. And then I was like, so eternity shows up and he's like, what are you doing? I don't think you get that. You don't get to mess with me. And, uh, and, and it gets Dr. Strange out of the hot spot because Dormammu is uh, such a, I mean, he's, he, I mean, why would he even <laughs> it's my thing about, but I like when the it, it, um, when Der, it, is it eternity that throws up all these people, or is it Dormammu's uh, cape or something that throws up all these people that come out of it? That's when, uh, like, at the end of the issue, Strange is like pulling them back in. So it's like he's he's gotten rid of Dormammu because I mean Dormammu seriously overestimated his abilities by taking on <laughs> yeah. the living embodiment of everything that is. Right. Um, and then, uh, and then Strange is just like, you know, and you get a portal and you get a portal and you get a portal. <laughs> and like folks are just like popping out of the dimensions where, uh, where Dormammu had squirreled them away. Oh, that, okay. So he had just, he, he, he was just throwing people, essentially lifelines. And yeah. So all these pull them out of out. individual limbos and purgatories and things like that. But, uh, but it, there is this, this huge splash page with, uh, Dormammu in front of eternity and like, planets blowing up coming out of eternity yeah. uh, and strange says it is as i have feared the cataclysmic impact of their clash threatens to destroy them both and i'm like dude we're in there i'm pretty sure we're all in eternity so that, that right can't. and i don't think you can you 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 can't blow up eternity it's like it's a lot like the rapture. It's not happening. These are the end times, you guys. Right. Uh, more something will be revealed afterwards, right. and so eternity's just going to regroup, right? That's what yeah. we kind of yeah. just, just take a love, breather. I love Brian's like it's okay, Jay. It's okay. It's right. He'll be back. We'll He'll be, be back. <laughs> He's not gone forever. Everything's still Don't here. Worry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we still exist. We're not. Uh, this is where it starts to get this weird meta vortex of trying to define these things that happen in Doctor Strange and you know Ditko wasn't on drugs that's the thing that boggles my mind Um, he just 
his brain made this. He, um, right. He, he right. was just he was just high on Ayn Rand. So, yeah, that's oh, was pretty, he? yeah. Yeah, he has some That yeah. is <laughs> it's always so you're like, don't tell me. Yeah. And uh so <laughs> JK Rowling. Yeah. <laughs> Once you know the Ayn Rand thing, reread that Spider-Man issue from this month. Um, yeah. As bad as it is, it is just another, you know, morality play from that fundamentalist from what, from what perspective. From what he learned when his mind yeah. was blown. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was 19 and I read Illusions, Man by Richard Bach. And I thought that this this car that was parked and nobody ever moved, it was mine. And I could make it happen with my brain. Uh, it turns out I drank a lot in life. Yep. Sure. <laughs> I was just making shit up and I would smoke whatever you had Anyway, it came out okay. I'm a hundred. Yeah, (laughs) I got my act. I love how trippy Strange is, though. Like Rob was saying, these things are the issues are impossible to describe unless you're like looking right at them. Um, But the one thing that you can describe is that you know as he's pulling folks out of these portals um, and bringing them back to reality, uh, one of the folks that he brings out is this sorceress, Clea, who. Finally, she introduces herself. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we've been hanging out for, you know, two years Long. now. Yeah. And I'm my name's Clea. And he's like, it's very nice to meet you, Clea. And then like literally, what, four panels later, he's just gone again. Like he's like, well, I'm going back to Earth. Um, Whoop. Through his portal. Yeah. And, and she doesn't tell him either. He's like, I have a couple of questions. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I'll answer you this one. My name's Clea. And gone. Yep. Because <laughs> she's like, I have the other question must wait. You must go now. She just basically says, I'm not that into you. It's nice to meet you, but yep. good day. And that's how uh, we tie off Ditko on Doctor Strange. So Dormammu seems to be destroyed. Eternity, well, he'll probably be all right. He rescues Baron Mordo from one of those alternate dimensions, and Mordo is not impressed. He's not appreciative, but yeah. he's like, "I could have done it. I, yeah. I would have got myself up. I don't need you." Yeah, uh, and then he 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 get, finally gets the name of the crush, and then he's back on Earth, and and that's where Ditko's run on Doctor Strange uh, wraps up. So there you go. So uh, let's take one more break, and yeah. then uh, we will come back and talk about the debut of the Black Panther here on Marvel by the Month. Okay, welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Uh, This is the big one, folks. This is the main event of the evening. Um, Fantastic Four number 52. The story's called The Black Panther. It's written by Stan Lee. The art is by Jack Kirby, and it's inked by Joe Sinnott. Um, So... Yeah. Um, what more is there to say? This issue of the Fantastic Four, it features the debut of the Black Panther. This is the first black superhero in mainstream comics, period. Um, this is a big damn deal. Uh, we're going to be spending a lot of time uh, talking about this uh, next uh, episode as well, because this is a two-part story. But, uh, you know, just kind of touching on a couple of historical facts. Uh, black characters were very few and far between, period, in comics. Um, so in 1947, there was an issue uh, of a comic called All Negro Comics uh, that was uh, published. It was the first comic book to be written and drawn solely by black writers and artists. Um, Timely Comics had a, uh, a, 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 a comic called Jungle Stories um, where there was a black character named Waku, Prince of the Bantu. 
Um, Dell Comics had a black cowboy named Lobo in 1965, but there's really, I mean, you can name them. You can literally there name them. There are three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like Marvel had has had a couple of uh, black characters, uh, most notably Gabriel Jones, who's one of Nick Fury's Howling Commandos. He shows up again in Agent of Shield. Um, Captain America rescues a black helicopter pilot in Vietnam um, about a year ago, but um, and you you would occasionally see a black character in a crowd scene, but that was pretty much it. I mean, that was really all that yeah. Marvel was doing. Um, and they were a little gun shy about how they were going to handle the Panther. Like the original cover art for this, um, black Panther is wearing a cowl where like the bottom part of his face is exposed and you can see that he's a black man. And by the time they finished it and published it, he's wearing the full classic mask where you can't see his skin tone at all. So, um, Mm. lots of, you know, internal questions about how they were going to go about this and, and yeah, and make it work. So interesting it's, yeah. did you guys ever read the uh the black captain america kyle baker yeah the truth yeah. the truth yeah yeah it's so incredibly good yeah 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 just powerful and you know steve rogers finds out that they did essentially tuskegee exper- experiments on black soldiers before white soldiers and whatever yeah it's amazing. And then the Patriot was born, his grandson, who was taking mutant growth hormones initially. But then they retconned him to have a superpower because he was uh, the black uh, Captain America's uh, grandson. Yeah. So, yeah. which I think is great because I, I really like the Patriot, too. I love a teenage. Uh, who doesn't? Who doesn't love a teenage superhero? Yeah. 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 It's honestly, that's. That's the age it makes sense to dress up in a gaudy costume and <laughs> yes. go and punch criminals. That's why and Miles like, Morales is my favorite Spider-Man at this point. It's just he's cooler. He's um, pretty cool. Yeah. He's pretty he's great. Still, uh, he's got all those problems that aren't, you know, just building a multi-million dollar corporation and having it crash and stuff right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Though I've always been, uh, my thing about Spider-Man has always been like, why is he delivering pizzas and taking photos? Isn't he a scientific <laughs> genius? There has to be a grant that he could be living off of. Right. It's just, this is terrible. He just doesn't fill out the forms. He's busy washing a Spider-Man costume (laughs) and stuff. Yeah. His power (laughs) set does not include grant applications. (laughs) Or business acumen. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so this is, it's a really interesting story. Jackie, I think at the top of the show, you said, I see what they were trying to go for. Um, yes. So now now we, we can talk about the issue. Um, what were some of the things that jumped out at you uh, with this? So- well, the thing, I mean, there's there's so much there's so much lack of just humanity, you know, where you're just like, these are just people. Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone is just a stock of meat wearing a different sausage casing. <laughs> and uh, and if it's a black man or a white woman or, you know, yeah. or a Native American gentleman named Wyatt Wingfoot. Mm-hmm. Who, and they, you know, they refer to uh, there's jungle talk. They call uh, Wingfoot a red man. There's. Mm-hmm. And, but the thing is, is, you know what they're they're like, no, these they're exotic, but they are also people. And they're they're trying to sort of slide it in there. They're like, yeah. you know, you you get it. They this he, uh, Wyatt Wingfoot sleeps a lot like a college kid. That guy can sleep through anything. That, <laughs> that college kid, yeah. and uh, and so and he's just like you. And that actually, I mean, there's two things I love about the Fantastic Four, um, which I I haven't read enough Fantastic Four. I'm only reading that Fraction thing now. Mm-hmm. Is that they're a family, right? 
Yeah. That they are a superhero team, but they are before they're a superhero team, they are a family. And then the other thing was when Wingfoot, and this is I'm, it's just getting ahead of ourselves, but when he says, when he saves everybody, he's like, oh, you're always looking at the superheroes. You don't look at a regular guy like me. Mm-hmm. I could also make a difference. Yeah. And yeah. that's the message we all need every damn day. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Because there is no Reed Richards. There is only regular people. Yeah. And honestly, Reed Richards's cause more problems than they saw. (laughs) (laughs) They're Oppenheimery. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So so just to give like a a really broad outline of how this story goes. So it starts out with the Fantastic Four. Um, They've had an airship, a futuristic airship delivered to them um, by uh, someone who's a representative of this mysterious African chieftain called the Black Panther. Um, And uh, so they take it out for a joyride. They love it. Um, They come back to the Baxter building. Um, The emissary is like, if you want to keep it, all you have to do is visit Wakanda. Um, and they're like, okay, I guess we're going to go to Wakanda. So they pick up Johnny from college and they head to Wakanda. And then they find out that <clears throat> Wakanda is this, it appears to be, um, very, you know, a, underdeveloped. A very, and- yeah. Like stereotypical, uh, African village. Um, and then, you know, as anyone who's seen the movie knows, like the secret of Wakanda is you get down into, uh, you know, like below the, the trees and it's this hugely, technologically advanced society um and the black panther is the chief um and he basically hunts and stalks each member of the fantastic four right for some reason uh black panther is introduced as sort of craven the hunter in this yeah thing. yeah with a better outfit but well, yes. he's yeah, yeah right and but he's kind of the bad guy <laughs> yeah and that's uh that's interesting to me because i yeah. think he's so cool in the in the iteration now I did not remember that uh, sort of villain placement like as they started off. And I'm like, I'm holding my breath the whole time. I mean, we we read a lot of 60s stuff. So we've we've been through a lot of misogyny and a lot of racism. Uh, So when this is happening, I'm reading this issue just like seriously tense. (laughs) Yeah, uh, like waiting just for holding on. like please don't, yeah just don't don't mess this up too bad guys don't break yeah. it don't break yeah. it too hard yeah. yeah so having him be that sort of villain hunting each of them I'm, I'm like oh I did not this is not the best way to start but it does start this way with some superheroes where there's a that's a you know disagreement so we can prove everyone's powers you know how that else kind of are you going to make a thunderbolt how are you right. going to do it <laughs> yep, you got to break a few eggs to make a thunderbolt <laughs> it's a thunderbolt omelet um yeah <laughs> yeah but there's also a, an angle to it where he shows concern for them like you know it, there, there's a point where like ben stumbles into this like refrigeration unit he's like no you're gonna freeze yourself solid and then he's like oh shoot it's like, actually, you're going to be all right. Like, it's okay. And he's not, I mean, he he's like set these traps and, and he's. He's just sort of proving himself is what yeah. it ends up kind of feels like. Yeah. yeah. And then by the end of it, I mean, he removes his mask and he's like, okay, now I'm going to tell you the story of why I brought you all here. But there's no like megalomania going on. There's no, yeah. you know. Uh, he doesn't he, he seems to be a principled person even you know by the end of it Reed is won over by him um, yeah you know, he, he says, thinks that his word is yeah honorable and right uh, yeah yeah so you know I, I think a couple of things that I found really interesting about this is that first of all like the subversion of expectation right so 
you know, you have the first black character, major character in Marvel Comics, and um, he's this super wealthy, super technologically advanced, uh, like he, he's a super genius, you know. Right. Um, I also, I found it interesting that, you know, in the middle of like the civil rights movement and everything, that the decision, they made the call where it's like, we're not going to do an African-American character. We're going to do an African character. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something like, did the exoticism make it more palatable somehow or something like that? Probably. Yeah. I mean, it it feels like, I mean, if they start with Africa, then they don't have to deal with the racial issues of the United States. Right. And I mean, the movie did such an amazing, an amazing job. Yes. Yeah, very much. I was glad to see so much of that in this story. I didn't expect quite as much of that. I I mean, it started just setting this up as like, it's the African Doctor Doom, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, no, don't do that. (laughs) But uh, but it but it did, you know, as it went along, you started to realize he was just proving himself. You know, yeah, just yeah. yeah, it came back from that sort of super villain thing, which was kind of great. Yeah. Yeah. But he had planned, you know, it also it just kept proving how smart he was. He had made this his bestest cage for Johnny to fly into. He had he had planned for Sue turning invisible and getting into her force field before she could make it and mm-hmm. all kinds of, you know, very smart things too. So he that was obvious that he was super intelligent and that is the sort of flipping the script of what people in the 60s would expect of africa um saying this is the this is possible you know it's yeah. changing the perception a little bit but yeah there's i mean there's definitely some some like needle scratching on the record moments where <laughs> you know and honestly like i i thought some of the wyatt wingfoot stuff was a little bit more like that didn't age well yeah. yes yes and we're i mean in in the end i did I like that there was some heart to it that they that they played through on that you were yeah. like I see what you're trying to do, and you know we've been we've been cutting white people some slack for 500 years. Let's give them this month <laughs> in 1961. Yeah. And then, then we're cutting them off. Yeah, yeah and then we're done. And uh, it's 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 so cool. I didn't know that he was the first uh, black character. I know I know because I've heard a lot of comics. Because mm-hmm. a lot of stand-up comics are, are fans of comics, sure. and so and some of the um, the bits that are being done about when Black Panther came out, there was a lot of uh, black comics talking about the history of black characters in mm-hmm. in the comic books and how you had to call all of them black. You're like, ah, it's black it's, lightning, uh, black, black lightning, Panther. yeah, Black Panther. <laughs> it was. Um, Black Goliath. Black Goliath. And wow, who's the blade was, um, did he, no, that was actually, <laughs> that's the Venture Brothers. He only, <laughs> the, the guy who only fought, the guy who only did black, uh, Dracula's, black vampires. <laughs> Weird. It, 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 I, I, the other thing that kind of jumped out at me about this issue was that the two characters I think who come off really great is it's the only two non-white characters in the book. So you got black Panther who's, you know, he shows that he's, he's this genius and he's got this brilliant tactical mind. Um, he's set everything up and he's also like a really good person um, and honorable and trustworthy. Um, and then you've got Wyatt Wingfoot who is like basically the secret weapon, like the fantastic four would have been completely beaten if yeah. he hadn't, yeah. you know, been running around behind the scenes and like disarming traps and rescuing you <laughs> they, know, the captured members yeah. and things like yeah. that. So. He saved them all. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. He's the, the, they brought along, they just happened to bring along the, this normal guy who totally saved them. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Which is nice. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, we assume he's more than normal. And he talks about some, again, sort of problematic things about the blood of his ancestors as scouts and uh, whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. But but still, he's a, he's a normal guy. No superpowers. Just saves yeah. the whole Fantastic Four. Not bad. Yeah. Well, Jackie, uh, thank you so much for joining us for this silly thing. Yes, this has been fascinating, quite honestly. <laughs> um, so uh, this episode is going to go up uh, next Wednesday, July 29th. Um, okay. What can we plug for you um, that well, you have coming up starting middle July of July 29th or uh, August. Uh, I have, I'm doing shows. I'm doing a show on uh, Animal Crossing on, a, on the Switch Nintendo. So it, it's called Comedy Crossing. And it's a, uh, if you follow at Jenny Yang TV, she hosts it. And I don't have a switch, but I have an avatar that somebody else is going to bring to her island. And then we're going to zoom my comedy act into the, into, into uh. Animal Crossing. <laughs> so you can buy a ticket and watch me do stand up. Other than that, if you, um, if you just go to JackieCation.com and it's easy to sign up for my email list. That's how to mostly to find out about my online stand up shows. And there's a lot of free content. You can go to YouTube, see if you enjoy my stand-up comedy. You can watch me do my, I did a couple of Conan sets. My, um, there's a, a bunch of nonsense. Uh, and hopefully you will enjoy my stand-up comedy. But feel free to look into it. But if you sign up for my email list, you'll get a rare and wonderful email from me uh, telling you when I'm doing online shows. And it's easier, quite honestly, to get off that list than it is to get on. Because <laughs> you have to find JackieCation.com and look in the lower right. Gotcha. So best of luck. We will put we'll put the link in the show notes. Oh, yeah. nice. Do you want to do a Max Fun Drive plug? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the Jack and Lori show. The, the Dork Forest is a, is where I interview people about what they dork out about and what they love. And um, it can be anything. It can be bees. I think uh, this week it's electric dance music. And as I think we've learned, I don't know anything about it. Um, so uh, the, um, but then there's, um, but there's great ones with Guy Branham about the Mitford sisters, a, a British uh, aristocracy family. Ridiculous. Anyway, and then there's, I mean, it can be genuinely, I think the one it was escape rooms two episodes ago. Nice. So it can be, sort of traditional dorkdoms and it can also be weirdo hey this guy really liked george foster what was that guy's name anyway wallace, so uh, wallace yeah. maybe yeah. yeah he was uh he's essentially the hunter the 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 current version of hunter s thompson george foster wallace i think is his name no, uh, david david foster david foster wallace, wallace. there we yeah. go george, george wallace is a comic george wallace, that's right i was like wait that Did I mention that I'm, I threw I'm, Wallace in there. That's I started the Wallace nonsense. No, because yeah. Wallace is is where I go. George Wallace, and then I go Dave Foster Wallace, <laughs> and then that's how I get there. And uh, when I get dementia, nobody's gonna notice. Yeah. So it's all gonna work out. But anyway, uh, yeah. So it's super fun. And then the Jackie and Lori show is about stand up comedy, and that's on the Max Fun Network. And the Max Fun Network has a lot of great shows on it. It's got Emily Heller. It's got um, Go Fact Yourself with Helen Hong and um, J. Keith Van Stratton. And that's where I got to meet um, Mark Waite oh, nice. on, on, on the Go Fact Yourself. And it was, I was, it blew my mind. And then he did an episode of The Dork Forest where he talked about his favorite dude, Superman. 
Nice. So it's kind that, of amazing. Yeah, wow. I, I think our audience might be slightly interested in hearing what Mark Wade has to say about oh, literally anything. Yeah, yeah. there's a yeah. Brubaker episode too. And nice. um, yeah, so and uh, um, Willingham, Bill Willingham, yeah, Bill Willingham, Fables, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, and then um, who else I have? Oh, but, uh, Chelsea Kane. Yeah. Mockingbird. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so I've had some comic book uh, uh, fancy pants on. So and and they're and they're all great, and uh, but thanks for having me. Absolutely, yeah, it's been our pleasure. Uh, so yeah, JackieCation dot com. Go there, check all that stuff out. Uh, follow her and seriously uh, see a show. Uh, Jackie, you're one of the funniest people working today. Um, I saw you when you were in town with Maria um, last oh. time through, and then saw you do the live Jackie and Lori uh, show um, at like two in the afternoon uh, in Portland, and it was rad. So, <laughs> oh, that is yeah. that was really fun, actually. Yes, that was very good. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, you can find us at marvelbythemonth.com. Um, Instagram is at Marvel by the month. You can drop us an email, marvelbythemonth at gmail.com. And I think that takes us out. Yeah. So uh, until next week, my name is Brian Stratton. And mine is Rob Mill. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay inside and read comics. Yeah.